and we do appreciate you being here. Woke up this morning, I saw this rain, I thought, well, no one's coming to church today, and I'm wrong. So that's great. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for braving the elements and coming out to worship with us today. I do hope that you are enjoying your summer. Are you having a good summer? One, two, three, four of you are having a good summer. That's enough. That's fine. Uh, our family, we are doing our best to enjoy the summer months. We know that it just, like, time seems to fly by. What is it, like, at the midpoint of the summer already? Oh, no. Soon it will be fall. But I tell you what, I'm actually looking forward to the fall as well. Because in the fall, we are starting something new here as a church. Beginning in September and then running all the way into May, we are taking a look at the life of Jesus. That's what we're doing. So on Sunday mornings, you're going to come in here, and we're going to go through the life of Jesus in a mostly chronological order throughout the school year. And so this will be a great opportunity to get to know Jesus better. We'll also have a daily Bible reading for those of you who want to go deeper in that, into that study. We'll also have small group opportunities for you to connect and ask your questions about Jesus and his teachings and his life. And so this is going to be really, really fun, and I'm excited to finally do this. Like, I love the Bible and teaching the Bible because, I mean, I mean, I'm a pastor, and I guess that's my idea of fun is teaching the Bible, right? But when it comes to the life of Jesus, this is the thing I get most excited about, most excited about teaching, most excited about sharing with other people. And so for those of you who are new to all this Jesus stuff, all this church stuff, this will be a perfect opportunity for you to get to know Jesus better. For those of you who have been around for a little bit, like myself, you think, you know, I know this Bible stuff, and I've read the Gospels, and I know about Jesus. Well, this is going to be a perfect opportunity for us to reignite our love for Jesus. But most of all, this is going to be the perfect opportunity for you to invite people to come out to Hope Community Church so they can get to know Jesus with you. And I know you're already working on your invitation list you're using this time now to work on that invite list. Who am I going to invite? And you've got that list of 20, 30, 40 names. I know you've got a lot of people you're going to invite. And so that means in the fall, some of your people that you invite, they're actually going to show up here. We're going to see new people in this space in the fall. Are you excited for that? Okay, there it is. You know, at first I didn't think you were, but then I was like, whoa, we are excited about that. Yeah, we're going to see some new people here. And so here's what we have to do between now and then. There's going to be new people in this space, so we need to make ourselves more attractive. That's what we need to do. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're looking around. You're like, wow, this is a very good-looking group already. And we are. I mean, let's, let's, you know, let's not be too modest about this whole situation. We're a very good-looking group. We are. But that's not the attractive I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritually attractive. We have this power, those of us who are Christians. We can draw people into our lives, draw people into our church, and draw people to Jesus. Or we could do the exact opposite. We can have certain attitudes, certain behaviors that just repel people from us as individuals, repel people from our church, and repel people away from Jesus. And so, of course, we don't want to repel people. We want to attract people to Jesus. So let's make ourselves more attractive. There's so many things that we do as Christians that can repel, but we want to focus on the things that actually attract people to Jesus and who he is and the gospel message of salvation in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that can make us unattractive is complaining. And that's what we're talking about today. Complaining. It's an unattractive quality. Complaining. Somebody, okay, I'm seeing some sad faces already because it's something that we do. Complaining is a way of life for so many people. It's something that we do. It's so prevalent in our culture. 
In fact, sometimes it's how we bond as people, right? We make friends over, we're all complaining about the same thing, right? And so it's something that we do, but it's a very unattractive thing. It's an unpleasant thing. It repels people. And also, guess what? It's no good for us, the individuals, for us to just focus on the things that we're not happy about, focus on the things that are going wrong, and to complain about them is no, it's no good. When I was in my 20s, I took a job working at a, um, a place out in, in Westchester. It was a health club, kind of like a YMCA. And that was my first day there. You know what that's like, first day on the job, and I was a little bit nervous. And I met one of my coworkers for the first time, and he's showing me around the office space. And a very nice guy, very friendly guy, but he was complaining a little bit. Just doing that thing, he was just saying, well, here's the layout, and if we all use this office space at the same time, like, there's not enough computers for us, and we've asked a lot of times for more computers, but we just don't have them, so you're going to have to rotate in and out to get your work done. And so he's describing the situation and what it's like, and he's doing his complaining thing, and I really wasn't bothered by it at that time, because I figured he's just being friendly, and he's just doing that thing that people do. We just complain to kind of form a bond with somebody. That's what we do. And so he's complaining about the setup, he's complaining about the situation, but again, a nice enough guy. Next day at work, I see him again, we chat a little bit, he's got more to complain about. Next day I see him, he's got more to complain about. And now, a pattern is forming. Every time I see this guy, he's complaining about something. Ah, oh, they changed our hours, our upper management's making us do this, they're making us do that. Every time I see him, he's complaining about something. And it gets to a point where now I am going out of my way to avoid this person. Do you ever do that? Yeah, it looks like you have. I'm going at, what time does he get here? Can I get there a little bit earlier? What entrance does he use? Can I use a different entrance? Just, I want to minimize the amount of time I have to spend with this person because the complaints keep on going and I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm trying to keep positive about life, which is enough of a struggle on my own. I don't need somebody dumping their negativity out on me. So I'm trying to, oh, are you guys listening to the rain? It's coming, it's, it's heavier now, isn't it? What's going on? <clears throat> Should we complain about the rain together? What's with this weather, right? No, but I'm listening to this guy, and he just keeps complaining. And so eventually, like I said, I start avoiding this person because complaints repel us away. And based on the response that you're giving me right now, it seems like you know exactly the type of thing I'm talking about. When someone is just focused on what's going wrong in their life, and every time they see it, they're just listening. Here's what's wrong with my job. Here's what's wrong with my family. Here's what's wrong with my life. Here's what's wrong with my neighborhood. You just don't want to be around that person. And yet for so many of us, it's just what we do. We just complain. We are complainers nonstop, and it's ugly, and it is repulsive. Would you be surprised to learn that the Bible actually talks about this very issue of complaining? It tells us not to do it, right? This is such an important thing about being a human being. This is such an issue for us human beings that, that Paul actually takes time and writes to the Philippians to address this very issue of complaining and how detrimental it is. Let's take a look at that passage. In fact, if you have a Bible with you on your phone or a hard copy of the Bible, I would encourage you to look up Philippians chapter 2. Because I'd like to start, I'd actually like to start at the beginning of this chapter. Paul has a lot of good stuff for us here. And I'd like to get to the passage that's in your bulletin, but I'd like to bring some context into this. And so here is Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. He had started this church among the Philippians. He was there with them for a time, and then he left. That's basically what Paul does. He plants these churches, and then he has to leave to go plant another church. And after he's left, he writes letters back to some of these churches. 
And so he's planted this church. He's writing a letter back to this church. And in chapter 2, Paul begins to explain to them what their relationship should be like, the attitude that they should have towards one another. In fact, uh, chapter 2 of uh, Philippians is sometimes referred to as the kenosis passage. And there's your Greek term for the day, kenosis. It means pouring out. It's a term that's used in this passage. And it talks about how Jesus pours himself out. He emptied himself for our sake. Let's take a look at what Paul says. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And we're going to take a look at these verses a little bit later in the summer. But how counterintuitive is this? Counter to our nature as human beings. Saying, don't be like a human being. Make other people more important than yourself. In your relationships with one another, remember, he's talking to a group of believers, a group of Christians, of saved people. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Goodness gracious, Paul, you're really raising the bar on us. You want us to have the same mindset, the same mentality and attitude as Jesus? Yeah. That's the goal. That's the ideal. That's what we're working towards. And then Paul launches into this explanation of who Jesus is and what this mindset is like. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. That's this kenosis we're talking about, the pouring out of himself. I mean, it's, that's literally the imagery we're getting, like a picture being poured out until it's empty. He poured himself out for us. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of his servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, not just any death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That is a loaded statement right there. We could take a lot of time trying to break this down and talk this through, and there's been a lot made over this statement over this years because of, well, what are you talking about, Paul, this idea of working out your salvation? Make no mistake, you can't earn your salvation. That's not what Paul is suggesting. He's not talking about working for your salvation, not at all, but this idea of working it out. You can think of it as exercising, working out, exercising your own salvation with fear and trembling, as in, like, humility, do you know some Christian people? And you're not, listen, we don't have Christians like this here, but there are some Christians that just have this kind of puffed up attitude about their status as Christians. Like, well, I'm a saved person. I'm saved, and that makes me better than the rest of you, yes? Do you know that attitude? Hopefully you've not encountered it, but maybe you have. 
this kind of puffed up thing where Jesus died for me and I've received Christ as my Savior and somehow that makes me superior to people who haven't. Well, guess what? Jesus died for all of us. None of us are more deserving of salvation than anyone else. That's part, part of what Paul is addressing here. Don't carry around your salvation proudly and boldly and look what Jesus did for me. Ba, 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 I'm better than you. No, no, no. Work it out. Exercise it with humility and fear and trembling with an awareness of what Christ has done for you. Work out that salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Verse 14, here's where our passage picks up. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Grumbling, that's a fun word. Grumble, grumble, grumble. It means complain. Do everything without complaining. Do everything without complaining. Not, well, do some things. No, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. I mean, Paul is making this, this comparison here. I mean, there is a way of humankind. There is this crooked and perverse generation. And you know what these people do? They go out into the world with their crummy attitudes, and they're grumbling, and they're complaining, and they're not getting along with each other, and they're grumble, 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 grumble. You have to be different from that. Don't be like them. Do everything without grumbling, without arguing. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. It's like this is the difference it makes when you meet someone who has that celebratory, positive attitude. You notice it because it's different than the rest of the world. It's different. I mean, think about that. If you go out to the store later this afternoon and you interact with 50 people who complain, you probably won't even notice it because that's how people are. But if you meet one person with a positive, celebratory attitude towards life, whoa, that stands out. Paul says you're going to stand out so much, you're going to shine like a star in this world. As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. you got to shine like stars. Be out there. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Get along with each other. Be different from the world. Be different from everybody else, and people will notice. They do notice. They do notice that. Let me ask you to consider this. What type of things do you find yourself complaining about? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to answer me today. Well, what type of things do you find yourself complaining about? Weather, work, your neighborhood, what type of things do you find, the government, what type of things do you find yourself complaining about? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not a complainer. I'm not one of those people who complains. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I vent, but that's different, right? Sometimes I vent. I got to let it out with like a good friend or a couple close friends or my spouse. I got to vent it out, but that's different from complaining. Is it? Is it? <laughs> Where did that idea come from, this idea of venting? Like we human beings, we fill up with all these complaints and we have to open up a vent and let all that ugliness out. Really? Is it okay? To, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not claiming to be a Bible expert here, but this whole concept of venting, I haven't found it. I haven't found it in here. Well, God says you got to vent because you can't let all those complaints build up. No. Maybe what we have to do is 
is change our attitude, change our hearts so that we don't need to vent all that ugly stuff out. If the ugly stuff wasn't there in the first place, <laughs> we'd have nothing to vent out. So let me ask you again, what do you find yourself complaining about, venting about? Is there a reoccurring pattern that you've noticed in your own heart? Listen, it's easier to see it in other people. Have you noticed it in your own heart and in your own life? Do you find yourself venting, complaining? What about? What about? A lot of people complain about work, right? Some people, you're, you're not going to believe it when I say this. Some Christian people actually complain about their church. Can you believe that? You guys don't do that. I know you guys don't do that. Some Christian people actually complain about their church. Oh, I didn't like the sermon this morning. Oh, I didn't like the music. Oh, our church stopped doing a closing song, and I liked it. Wah, wah, wah. Like, people do that. You guys don't do that. You guys would never do that. But some, some, can you believe that? I mean, the look of shock on your faces. Some Christian people who are members of a church, they actually complain about their church. It's so weird. There's a family friend that Holly and I have, and we see him around every once in a while. And every time we see him, he, he talks to us about what's going on in the life of his church. And I think he just does that because he's like a Christian, and he goes to church, and he knows that we're Christians who go to church. He's like, here's what we're going to talk about. And so he just feels compelled to tell us about what's going on in the life of his church. And every time we've, it's, listen, it has never been positive. Never. Every time we see this person, here's what's going wrong in our church. Here's what's happening. And I'm just thinking to myself, can this conversation please end? What are you doing? And this went on for years. I would see this person complain about their church, complain about their church, complain about their church. And eventually, I just spoke up and I said, why do you still go there? <laughs> why are you still a member there? You know, I think of it from a pastor's perspective. I mean, the last thing that I would want is somebody sitting around filling up space in a pew that's just miserable. What are you doing? Well, I mean, did you buy, like, season tickets or something? What? Just leave. Go somewhere else. What's with the grumbling? What's with the complaining? You see how ugly that is and repulsive that is? I mean, if someone's complaining about their job, their work, or you want to go get employed there, oh, sign me up. I want to work there too, yeah? If someone's complaining about what's going on in their school or their neighborhood, here's what's going wrong in my neighborhood. Oh, let me move there. No. Here's what's going wrong in my church, but you should come with me Sunday morning. I don't think so. Why would you? What, what's, that doesn't make sense. We need to stop this thing of grumbling, complaining, arguing. And so I'll ask you again, have you caught yourself? <laughs> I mean, we all do it. Have you caught yourself complaining, grumbling? Have you given yourself the excuse of, well, I'm just venting? Now, I'll tell you something. This is kind of a secret, so this just stays in this room. And for the people who are watching, you can know this secret too. Sometimes I feel tempted to complain about my job. Is that a shocking revelation, a shocking effect? Sometimes I feel tempted to complain about my job. But when I feel that temptation, I do my best to stop myself. And here's how I do it. Maybe this will be helpful to you. I just think about the fact that in this world, there are people who do the very same job that I do, who are much better at doing it, that are struggling more than I am. And I try to adopt a spirit of celebration and appreciation for what I have. It does not, listen, some people it comes naturally to, I'm not one of them. But I try to reframe my perspective and take on this attitude of appreciation and celebration. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. 
I mean, Jesus promised us that in this world, we will have trials. We will have difficulties. We will face challenges in this world. But Jesus also gave us hope and said to take heart, for he has overcome this world. We will have trials here. We will have difficulties. We will have things that we'll be tempted to complain about. But Jesus says, take heart. Listen, one day you will overcome all the temporary problems of this world. There are some people here right now that are going through real stuff, financial stuff, unemployment, sickness, you know, cancer treatments. I mean, the real stuff of life. And how easy would all that be to complain about? But I'm just asking. And I'm not trying to diminish any of your trials because you're going through a lot. I'm not diminishing your trials. But as you're struggling, I just encourage you to think about what's going right. And the more that you're suffering, the more that you're struggling, the more that's going wrong, it's going to be tougher and tougher to think about what's going right. But I'm asking you to exercise that discipline, to think about what is it that's happening right in your life. Focus on those things. Now, there's this saying that we have. Maybe you've said it yourself. I can't complain. Did you ever say that? How you doing? Well, I can't complain. A lot of times when, when we say that, we mean, well, I could, but I'm not going to right now, right? <laughs> I can't complain, right? What if we took that seriously as Christians, as members of Hope Community Church? You said, well, maybe I'm tempted to complain, but the Bible says I can't, so I can't complain. I won't complain. I'm going to be different. Think about this. Let me talk to the Christians in the room. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, those of us who have received him as our Savior. Do you realize what we've been given? Forgiveness of sins. Do you realize what we've been given? A purpose here on this earth. Do you realize what we've been given? The promise of a future paradise. And I know in this world we will have troubles, but this world is brief. And then it's paradise. I mean, when you think about it that way, shouldn't we be constantly celebrating and praising? I mean, what God has done for us. And so those of us who are Christians, we have this power, and we can let ourselves be overcome by these little trials and these difficulties and these things that come up, and we can let ourselves give in to that temptation to complain, and we can repel people away from us and away from our church and away from Jesus. Or, or we can change our attitude. We can focus on all that God has done for us. And out of that spirit of thankfulness, out of that spirit of appreciation, we can just celebrate, be celebratory. And when we do that, oh, baby, then we shine like stars and we draw people into our lives and into our church. And more importantly, when we take on that attitude of celebration, we draw people into getting to know Jesus as their Savior. The choice is ours. We can continue to go through this world we can continue to complain and to vent and to grumble, grumble, grumble. Or we can choose to be different. We can consider all that God has done for us. We can make ourselves mindful of all the ways that God has blessed us. We can consider our future glory in heaven, and we can take on that attractive attitude of appreciation and celebration. Amen. Let's close out our worship service this morning with a word of prayer. Father God, we do thank you for all that you've done for us. 
And Lord, you know what it is to be human. You know the troubles that we face. You know the struggles that we have. You know where we're tempted. And Father God, you know how it is that we, we interact and form relationships. And Father, we do this weird thing as human beings. We bond over our complaints. And so God, I just pray that those of us who are Christians, that we would be different, that we would break out of those patterns. Let us be people that focus on the positive, to focus on what you have done for us. Just help us develop that spirit of appreciation in our own lives and in our own hearts. Father God, we want to become more attractive for your sake. Let our lives draw people into you. Let our lives draw people to the power of the gospel. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to worship you this morning. And as this worship service comes to its end, we pray that you would allow our worship of you to continue. Father God, let us worship you with our lives. Let us worship you by the way that we treat one another, by the way that we love and serve one another, and by the way that we love and serve you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.